If you have your Bibles tonight, you can see what my notes look like. They're scribbled. Um, I've really been, uh, I've been a bit sidetracked with the, this message. I believe that I'm going to start a series. Thank you so much, sweet Megan. I'm going to start a series on declarations. If uh, you haven't joined us, we, we start in the building here at 6 o'clock. We, we have prayer from 5.30 to 6, but, but we're going to start having a time of declaration from 6 to 6.30 every Monday night. And what we're going to do and what we have been doing is we're, we're, we're saying what God says over the atmosphere in this place. Something happens. Do you know that God's word is forever settled in heaven? That he means what he says. And when we join with him and we begin to say what he says, something happens in the atmosphere. And so on Monday nights, we, we, we're going to spend time making declarations. We used to do it all the time. Somehow I got away from it, and, and I really am going to return to it. But I've been spending the last couple days not working on a sermon. I've been working on my declarations. I, I have some things I'm concerned about in my life and my children's lives, and, and I've been spending time just just going through the Word of God and finding out what God has to say about those situations and then turning them into declarations and, and speaking them out loud, speaking them into the atmosphere. Who knows that God's Word is powerful, it's active, it never returns void. It is full of life. And, and so in the beginning, the Bible says that the world was full of chaos. It was dark and, and it was, it was, there was no order to it and God showed up. And, and I believe, whatever you believe about the Trinity, but I believe the Trinity was present there. And the Bible says it, they, it, that the Lord spoke and order came into universe, that something was made out of nothing. That was with God's word. His word is so powerful, it has creative power. And when he spoke, something uh, came out of nothing. That's how powerful his word is. Do you, do you understand that? It is forever, the Bible says, settled in heaven. He settled. He's, he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he's going to accomplish it. That's what the word of God says. And, and so if he's not a man that he should lie, then this Bible is full of truth. I, I'm going to tell you, I've been lied to in my life. Anybody besides me trusted somebody with all their heart and found out they were being lied to? Anybody? What does that do for you? But can I tell you, God will never lie. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He's not sorry he said what he said. Everything he said in this word is truth. It's yea and amen to those who what? Believe. So it's not yay and amen to somebody who just says, I don't know, I'm a double-minded man. I want to believe God one minute, but then I look at my circumstances the next, and I, and I vacillate, and I waver, and I doubt. No, no, that, that's not yay and amen. He won't say amen to that kind of thinking. The Bible says that a double-minded double man is unstable in all he, he does, and that he should not believe he'll receive anything from God. A double-minded man is one who wavers one who, who, who doubts, one who vacillates between two opinions. I'm either going to believe God or I'm going to believe my circumstances. Church, we have got to come to a place where we are not believing the natural, that the only truth that we believe, not a doctor's report, not, not a friend report, not a, an employment report, the only report that we believe is this word right here because this is the only truth. It is the only truth that's settled. 
in heaven. The Bible says the flower fades and the grass withers, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. This word is going to be around long before, long after every one of us take our final breath. This word stands forever. And when we stand on God's word believing, we bring heaven to earth. The Bible says that when he created man, he, he gave us dominion. And he says, go take dominion in the world. This world, the Bible says, is, is the enemies. He is, he is the, the God of this world. Oh, not on my watch. Sorry. I get to bring heaven to earth when I stand on his word and I decree his word into the atmosphere. The enemy brings something and he says, this is my word to you. And I say, oh, but you do not have the final word. This is a lie. God's word is truth. And I'm going to override that word with God's word. That's what decrees do. Decrees say, you might think this is your world, but let me tell you, I'm bringing heaven down to earth by bringing God's word into the atmosphere. His word is truth and it's forever settled and it's going to be around long after yours is not. And that's what a decree is. And I really, I, I got to tell you that all of my Christian walk, Lord, keep me on, on track here, all of my Christian walk I was raised in the church. I, somehow I got blessed. I will not be surprised if I get to heaven. Dave, am I exaggerating? If I get to heaven and I find out that the woman who was my Sunday school teacher from the time I was a little girl, every time I would move up, she would move up with me. And I never could escape having her for the Sunday school teacher. But that woman taught me to love the word of God. <clears throat> She really did, and to this day, she is my biggest cheerleader, is she not? And, 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 and I'm telling you, I was raised in the church. I was raised to know the Word of God. Anna Mae Bickhart, is, she is uh, just near and dear to my heart. That woman taught me to love the Word of God. But I loved the Word of God, but I didn't know how to use the Word of God. And, and it was maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, um, our oldest son was, was having some trouble. He was in a lot of trouble. Many of you have heard me tell this story before. He, 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 um, he was uh, drinking heavily. He was an alcoholic. He had cirrhosis of the liver. His belly was no exaggeration, this big. He looked like he was nine months pregnant. He, his eyes were yellowed. Um, he, he, he had caused so much trouble at home that we had to ask him to leave. When, when we asked him to leave, the other children said, finally, it was not a good situation. And I would lay awake at night wondering where he was, what he was doing. I would beg the Lord to, to bring him back. I would beg the Lord to, to heal him. I would, I would beg the Lord to do something in his life. And, and I cried and I had anxiety and I was worrying about him all the time. He was on my mind 24-7. And one day I was laying on the floor in front of our fireplace and I was just pouring out my heart before the Lord and I was just begging him to rest him and to bring him back. And the Lord said, stop begging me and start decreeing. I didn't know anything about decreeing. So I began to study it and, and, and I got in the word of God. I knew the scripture up here, but I didn't know how to use it. And, and so I began to just, I took a notebook and I began to write declarations for Danny. 
things like, my sons will be taught by the Lord and great will my children's peace be. Can I tell you, he didn't care about being taught by the Lord. We drug him to church his entire life, but he did not care about being taught by the Lord. I said, my son will be taught by the Lord and great will my children's peace be. The offspring of the righteous are blessed and mighty in the land. I expect him to be blessed and I expect him to be mighty in the land. I said, Lord, uh, you say that those who, who raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, when they're old, they will not depart from it. I declare and decree he is not going to depart from the straight and narrow path that we taught him to be on. I, I declare and decree that he will walk on the straight and narrow path and he will never depart from it. I, I declare and decree that you're going to perfect everything that concerns me and Danny Briscoe concerns me. So Lord, I, I just thank you that you're perfecting it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be anxious about anything. I'm going to through everything, through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, I'm going to thank you that you have that boy and, and that you're going to guard my heart and mind with peace that passes all understanding. I did not lose one more night's sleep once I started making those declarations. And I made it over and over and over again. And every single time, the enemy would try to come. Uh, we'd get a bad report. One of the kids would tell us something, and I'd say, I'm so thankful that my son's going to be taught by the Lord, and great will my children's peace be. And I'll never forget the night he called us, and he said, I want to go to Bible college. And I almost laughed out loud because I was like, mm, I don't think you can drink in Bible college. I'm pretty sure it's a rule. But I was not going to treat the word of God do not treat the prophetic word with contempt. Do you know what I used to think that meant? I used to think that Pastor Ed or Prophet Ed would get up here and he would, he would give me a prophetic word and he didn't want me to treat it with contempt. And I believe that's true. But who knows that this is prophecy as well. Prophecy is God's word to us. And so when I read this word, it is God's word to me. It's a prophetic word. And he says, Rhea, do not despise it. Don't treat it with contempt. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I, I'm making decrees of your prophetic word, and I'm not treating them with contempt. That boy is going to be taught by the Lord. Can I tell you? One night he heard the Lord speak to him audibly that he did not have to take another drink. He had a glass of whiskey, he says, that he couldn't leave his house because he needed to have whiskey. And he heard the Lord say, you do not need to take one more drink of that. I can set you free. And from that day, there was no rehab. There was no nothing in his life. From that day forward, we, had, we have doctor's reports that he has cirrhosis of the liver. The doctor told us he had cut his life in half and that he would have to spend the rest of his life seeing a liver doctor. He has not gone back to that liver doctor but one time since then. And it was a clean report saying you don't ever need to come back again. Can I tell you what our God can do? And I know that you've heard me tell that story before, but, but I'm here to tell you that I, I feel strongly in my heart for whatever reason that this is a season where I need to teach on decrees. Because some of us, we, we, need, we need to see the word of God manifest in our situations. And we need to believe the word of God over what we're seeing in the natural. Right now, Dave and I are praying for, for a, a gentleman who's in our, our, our congregation at Grace Church. He was diagnosed two years ago with, with uh, esophageal cancer, what my father has. And he was given seven, seven months to live. And I said, no, I, that man is godly. He is, I love him to pieces. And, and he is going to live and not die. And he's going to declare the praises of the Lord. And so Dave and I began to, to just speak. Uh, we pray for him often. We began to pray, lay hands on him and pray for him. He was only supposed to live a max of seven months. It is two years. He's still living. The other day he got a report. And the report was he has three to four months to live. And I said, mm, 
And they were like, we're grateful. We got, you know, however many more months than we were supposed to. Seven months, we got two years. We're grateful. And so today I was praying for him, and I was picturing arrows. I was picturing the Word of God being an arrow going straight into his life. I was picturing that he's, you sent your Word to heal you are healing Joey in the name of Jesus. And I, I pictured my words penetrating him. Because don't get me wrong, it's appointed to man to die once. And there's going to come a time when, when every one of us die. And no, no prayer in heaven is going to keep, keep you from dying if that's your appointed time. But I do not believe that it's God's will for somebody to die a miserable de death of cancer. I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I don't. If, if you know somebody that did, I'm really sorry. My dad may. I'm really sorry. But until I take my last breath and I see them take their last breath, I will declare declare God's word over them because he tells me to. He tells me to. He says, Rhea, you pray for the sick and they will recover. You do that. That's your job. Now, what God does with that is up to him. There's a scripture that says, and the Lord God does as he pleases. He will do as he pleases in Joey's life. But until Joey takes his last breath, this girl will be sending those arrows into his life, the arrows of God's word. Because I believe God. I believe God over a doctor's report. I believe God over any report, any negative report you can have. We have got to come to a place, church, where we believe God. That we believe his word is true. And part of doing that is to, to really learn about decrees. And so that's what we're going to do for the next couple weeks. If you look up the word decree... It's an official order issued by a legal authority. It's a formal and authoritative order, and it has the force of the law behind it. It's a statement of truth that carries the authority of a court order. It's interesting to me, I was studying about decrees, and, and I was looking up the definition, and, and, and the Lord said, Rhea, you're my ambassador. And it bothered me so much that I was driving down the road today and I stopped my car and pulled it over to the side of the road to look up what an ambassador does. <laughs> Do you know that an ambassador is a, is a delegate <laughs> sent from one country to represent that country in a foreign country? Are you with me? Uh, this is a foreign country because I'm an ambassador of heaven sent here to represent God to back up his decrees. A decree comes from a king. It comes from, from somebody in authority. And, and it's a, it is an edict. It's a divine law that's put into place. If you turn over to Esther, I want, I want you to just look at Esther chapter 8. Esther chapter 8, because there are two words for decree that we see in the Old Testament. Esther chapter 8, verse 8. It says, you yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's, king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Okay? In the king's name. We get to use the king's name. Can I just tell you? Not just a king. We, we have the supreme authority from the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We get to use his name. The signet ring is our covenant that we have with him. And notice what it says here. It, you, can, you can use the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. 
It cannot be revoked. God's decrees cannot be revoked. The Bible says he's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. In other words, he won't repent. He's not sorry that he said what he said. His decrees cannot be revoked. They stand. When we stand on the word and we speak it into being, we bring heaven to earth. The Bible says that the word of God is a double-edged sword. Do you know what a double-edged sword was? It was one of the most deadly weapons that could ever be used. Back in Bible times, they didn't have missiles and cannons and uh, howitzers. They, they had a sword. And the Bible says that the Word of God is a double-edged sword. A double-edged sword was one of the most deadly weapons you could use. It cut going in, it cut going up, and it cut coming down. It was deadly. And the Bible says that the word of God is a double-edged sword. And if you look up that word double-edged, it means a two-mouthed sword. <laughs> that means God mouthed it one time when he said it. And when we add our mouth to it, praise the Lord, it becomes a double-edged sword. It becomes a deadly weapon that will take the enemy out. Jesus, if you'll recall, when he was being tempted, what did he do? It is written, it is written, it is written. He didn't say, well, let me think about that and let me see if I can find some words that it will battle. He used God's word. If Jesus needed to use God's word to defeat the enemy, how much more do you and I? Jesus mouthed God's word. It is written, I'm going to mouth it, and it'll become a deadly weapon for the enemy. The enemy got so discouraged that he said he left for a more opportune time. This is obviously not an opportune time. He's using that word again. I can't get anywhere. So if that's the case, what are we doing? So it's a two-edged sword, a two-mouthed sword. The Bible says the word of God is yea and amen to those who believe. Do you know what amen means? Anybody, can you tell me? So be it. So when we uh, say a prayer and we say, so be, when we say amen, what we're saying is so be it. So be everything I said. I love it when I'm preaching and I hear somebody say amen because you know what they're doing? They're saying, so be it, Rhea. Everything you said, I'm in agreement with. So be it. Give me some amens. <laughs> you want to see me preach hard? Give me some amens. But, but the Bible says that the word of God, this word right here, is yea and amen to those who believe. What that means, I believe, you might argue with me, but I believe that when I say uh, yes to God's word and I use it, see, he's already said the yes, and when I use it and I, I say, this is what you say, Lord, I add my so be it to it, it's yea and amen to those who believe. I'll see the fruition of it when I add my amen to it. Or I say yes to it and God adds his amen and says, so be it in your life. That's why it's so important we use God's word. It's yea and amen to those who believe. But in order to use it, I have to do what? Believe it. I have to believe it. So decree is a written edict of divine authority. And we have been given authority to use his name. It's, it's in the king's name. Turn over to Job, to Job chapter 22, verse 28. Many of you know this by heart. Job chapter 22, verse 28. You will also decree a thing. And it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. You will also decree a thing, and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. I really like it in the Amplified. It says, you shall also decide 
and decree a thing. Because who knows, before we can decree something, we have to decide that it's good. We have to decide that it's truth. You, you will decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine on your ways. Now, if you miss everything else that I say tonight, please don't miss this. That word decree there, it means to cut, to divide, to cut down, to cut off, to cut in two, to destroy. Here's my favorite, to exterminate. It means to slaughter, to kill, to devour. I, I love exterminate. That when I decree something, I exterminate, I destroy, I cut off. So, so for, to give you an example, if the enemy comes and he, with, like he did with Danny, because he comes like a flood, does he not? He flooded Danny. And, and I raised a banner when I made decrees. And when I made the decree, I began to cut off his plan that he had for Danny. I began to destroy and to abolish his plan that he had for Danny's life because I spoke God's truth over what he was trying to do. Do you see that? But I love exterminate because Dave is such a good gardener. I'm telling you, if you need gardening tips, ask Dave because he is, he is so, that the English gardener in him is so good. And, and our lawn is so beautiful. And he, it's because of him. He works so hard in it. And, but I really like it. it. My house looks nice outside. And, and, well, maybe two years ago, we started seeing in Dave's nicely mowed lawn these like tunnels that were really bad and we couldn't figure out what they were and then my ewes that were sitting in front of my that were beautiful green in front of my window started to turn brown and die and then one night I was out watering because I was watering because they were turning brown and I couldn't figure out why because they were getting water and one of these little voles popped this little head up and it would just aggravate me. Every single night I'd go out there, I'd like take the hose and go, I'd try and get it. Like I tried everything. I got a, a, a shovel because I was going to hit it over the head and the little thing would pop back in the hole and it would pop out someplace else. And it was like this, it was just irritating me. Like I believe it was just, it was having fun. Like it really was having fun with me and I was as frustrated as I could possibly be. Like I said to Dave, do you think we could get dynamite? Because I was going to stick it down one of those little holes. I didn't even care what it did to my lawn. I wanted that thing dead. It was irritating to me. I can't even tell you. And, and so I spent the whole summer trying everything. Like anything I read to put out, I would put out in the lawn trying to get it. I'd, we'd have, I'd have the hose out every single night. I was positive. I was like spraying it down the hole because I was going to drown it. I was trying everything I could do to get that, that vole. And then finally Dave said, let's call the exterminator. And he came and he gave us these little tiny bricks and a little box and we put it out and those voles were dead and gone. And and, and so maybe this past summer, we started to see tunnels again, and one little guy popped his head up, and I thought, you're not even worth my energy. I know how to deal with you. And I said, Dave, you need to get some of those little bricks. We put them out, and he was gone. Hmm. Exterminate. See, some of you are like the vole and me with the enemy. He is having a blast with your life. He is driving you crazy. He is getting on your every nerve. He is bringing destruction to your home, and you are sitting back letting him get away with it. And you're trying all your little ploys trying to deal with him, 
when what you need is to exterminate. And you exterminate through decrees. Look it up. If you think I'm lying, go get a Hebrew dictionary and look up that word decree. It means to exterminate. And what you need to do tonight is you need to call the exterminator. And the next time the enemy comes, like a flood, you need to say, you're not even worth my energy. I'm not losing one more night's sleep over you, Danny Briscoe, because I know what's happening here. I'm just going to decree. I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. I'm going to bring heaven to earth. I'm an ambassador. I represent heaven on earth. And so I have to enforce the king's decrees. That's my job, to enforce the king's decrees, to say what the king says. So that word can also mean to divide in two parts. It means to decide on and to come to a conclusion. Oh, Lord, help me. Because you see, when I decide on something, I come to the conclusion about it in my thinking process. <laughs> the, the word in the dictionary, it defines it as to come to a resolution in the mind as the result of, dis, of consideration. It, it means to make a final choice or judgment about. So stay with me here. So if my thinking takes me down the wrong path, because the Bible says that we are to be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. So, so when I came to Christ, I did not get a new mind. I got a sealed spirit. That's why I'm to be led by the spirit and not by the flesh, because my flesh will mess me up. But I, I didn't get a new, a new mind. The Bible says I have to choose to get that renewed. And that's how I'm going to be transformed by getting that mind renewed, and I get that mind renewed by putting God's word in it over the, the thinking processes that have been so messed up in my life. I've been through some stuff. Are you with me? I had a pretty dysfunctional childhood. My thinking processes are messed up because of that. It's my choice to either meditate on those things and let that mind go wild, or I can choose to be transformed and get that mind renewed. Not everything that was spoken over me as a little girl was truth, let me tell you. But I took every word of it as truth. And it got embedded inside of me, and it ruled my life for a very long time. How I got free from that was to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I had to grab a hold of those thoughts and get them renewed, okay? So if that thinking process, because my mind, my soul, has not been uh, redeemed... <laughs> And if I start going down a path where that thinking process is, is, is taking me down a wrong path, and if I find myself meditating on a lie or being defeated by a thinking pattern, are you with me? I decide to decree something different. I make a judgment about what I'm thinking. I come to a conclusion about my thinking process. I say, hey, wait a second. Is that a good thought I'm having? And the word decree means to come to a conclusion and speak something different. Are you with me? And so I, I'm judging what I'm thinking about, and if I know it's not beneficial or good, I'm going to make a final choice to decree something different in my life. So any decree, hear this, any decree begins in our thinking. It begins in our minds before we speak it. We make a final decision to cut off, to destroy, to make a thought fail by issuing a decree over it. So let me give you an example of this. Let me flesh it out for you. 
So the Bible says, do not be anxious about anything, but through prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard, garrison, protect your heart and mind with peace that passes all understanding, okay? So now, if I feel anxious about something, or I, am, I have anxiety rise up within me over something, I have a choice. I can make a choice here. I'm either going to meditate on that and I'm going to let it take me down a wrong path or I'm going to make a decree. I thank you, Lord, that I don't have to be anxious about anything. But through prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, I can present this request to you and I can trust that you're in turn going to take that and you're going to guard my heart and my mind with peace that passes all understanding. I thank you so much for your peace that passes all understanding. I thank you that you're perfecting everything that concerns me. That I don't have to fear or worried or be terrified. What can man do to me? That you're with me like a mighty warrior. That you fight my battles for me. That you go before me, you come with me, and you follow after me. That, that, that you... You won't ever leave me or forsake. I got you. Do you see how we decree over that thinking process something new? Because it's a decree, it's backed up by heavenly authority. It's a law in heaven, if you will. And so what you're doing is you're holding his promise up to him and you're saying, Lord, I, I am expecting that promise to be fulfilled because you're not a man that you should lie. And you tell me that I don't have to be anxious. So I'm coming into agreement with that and I'm going to declare that word over my life. You see, this is what kingdom living looks like. Kingdom living is not going to church on a Sunday morning and filling a pew. Kingdom living means applying his principles to our life and us being transformed and changed by them. Do you see that? He says, if you decree a thing, I love that. That word thing is utterance, speech, saying, promise, command, a word from God. If you decree a thing, if I, I decree a promise, it shall be established for me. But it works the other way too. I can decree a thing. I can decree a negative word to me. I can decree a lie. I can decree something in a moment of weakness that I don't really mean, but it slipped out of my mouth. See, this is God's word. If you decree a thing, it will be established for you. <laughs> and it works both ways. See, I, I don't know if you can feel the weight of this. <laughs> because we're so careless with our words. The Bible says with the same mouth, we speak blessing and curses. That should not be. <laughs> the Bible says that the mouth has the power of life and death. And those who eat of it, who indulge in it, <laughs> will get what we, what we're, we'll, we'll fill up with it. That's what we'll see manifested in our life. This mouth has the power of life and death. We have got to, Lord, put a guard over my lips that I might not sin against you. Guard my mouth, Lord God, because it has the power of life and death. And I believe we speak death over ourselves. I really do. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm so sick and tired of this? You've just spoken that. You decreed a thing and it'll be established for you. We've got to watch what's coming out of our mouth. We can come to a negative conclusion about something and decree that, and it'll be established. The word established means to rise, to rise, to stand up, to become powerful. 
to come onto the scene. So I'm going to decrease something and it's going to come onto the scene. It's going to make me powerful. It's going to flourish in my life. The word establish also means to be proven. If you decree a thing, it will be proven. It will be manifested in your life. And then it says, if you decree a thing, it will be established for you. Now look at the rest of that verse. So light will shine on your way. I I like that. The Amplified says, the light of God's favor will shine on your ways. When we decree his word, the light of his favor shines on our ways. It means to enlighten. When we decree, we are releasing light and favor into our situation. We're cutting off. We're destroying. We're exterminating the enemy's plans. But the Bible says that that when we use God's word, we have to believe and not doubt, or we're like that double-minded man. We we have to believe God's word. We've got to learn to believe God's word. I I want to look at one more thing before we leave tonight and turn over to uh, Romans chapter 4. This is the story of of Abraham, and and you know the story of Abraham. He was uh, elderly. He was past bearing, uh, childbearing age. So was his wife. They had been barren all their life. They were asking God for a child, and you you know, then God came to him, and and he was past that childbearing age, and he says, I'm going to give you a child. You're going to be a father of many nations. (laughs) Do you remember that story? Well, that's what this, is, this story is referencing. And, and he's talking about Abraham and the promise of God to give him that seed, that, that child. Look at verses 13 uh, through 22. For the promise, and by the way, that word promise, it can be a secular Greek word and it's a legal term denoting a promise to do something. It's a legal term. When God makes us a promise, it, there's a legal aspect to it that he has to back it up. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath. For there, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is an act of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written. This is what I want you to see. I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. So remember, Abraham believed God. That was important. So in the presence of him whom, whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God calls things that, uh, th- calls things that do not exist as though they did. I called Danny saved in Jesus' name. I called Danny healed in Jesus' name. I called Danny sober in Jesus' name. I called that which did not exist as though it did. Do you see? And that's what God does. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. He was strengthened in in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised to do, he was also able to perform. 
And therefore, it was accounted to him as righteousness. I was studying this the other day, and the Lord uh, really had me park on it. It was accounted to him as righteousness. He said, Abraham uh, believed, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God. Righteousness is is correctness of thinking, feeling, or acting. Uh, Righteousness is the state of him who is as he ought to be, the condition acceptable to God, okay? So Abraham, stay with me, believed God, and therefore it was accounted to him as righteousness. So Abraham didn't do what was right and, you know, follow all these rules and regulations and it was accounted to him as righteousness. What was accounted to him as righteousness? That he believed God. And the Lord said to me, Rhea, if you don't believe me, you can go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You can be as spiritual as you want to be. You can do everything right that you think you, 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 that I want you to do. But if you don't believe me, you are not righteous. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. It was accounted to him as correctness of thinking, feeling, or acting. Church, I just need to tell you, we do not have correct thinking, feeling, or acting if we're not believing God. If we're not looking at his word and saying, this is truth, not what I'm experiencing here in the natural. I want to look at this passage because it just rocked my my world when I read it this week. It says that, that Abraham... Believed God, whom gives, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And contrary to hope, in hope believed. <laughs> I want you to understand that, that Abraham was past childbearing age. His wife what was, it was past childbearing age. She was going through menopause or already through menopause. She could not, it was impossible for her to have a child. But contrary to hope, in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. But here's what I loved. He did not consider his own body. That word consider means to direct one's mind to an object, to immerse oneself in, to fix one's eyes upon. It, it means the action of the mind apprehending. It means to think about, to ponder, consider the facts about the thing. Oh, are you with me? Abraham did not consider his body. He was 100 years old, and God had given him this promise that in the natural, you're like, yeah, right. But the Bible says he did not consider, he didn't think about, he didn't ponder, he didn't direct one's mind to, to an object, he didn't immerse himself in the fact that he was 100. He, he, he didn't uh, ponder how this is going to happen. He didn't even consider his body. He was so confident in God's word, and it's because the Bible says that he lived in the presence of God. See, you can't trust God if you're not in his presence. That he believed God because he had witnessed his power. So he didn't consider his body already dead in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver. That word waver means to separate, to withdraw from, to desert, to separate oneself in a hostile spirit. See, some of you have wavered. You've separated yourself in a hostile spirit. God hasn't come through for you like you thought he should, and you're angry about it, and so you've separated yourself. He didn't separate himself from the promise through unbelief. 
He didn't waver. He wasn't divided in his mind having two thoughts, one denying hope and one believing. He didn't waver at all. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith. That word strengthened, it means inwardly strengthened. It means in-strengthened. It suggests strength of the soul. The word, if you look it up in the original language, it means headstrong. I love that. He was headstrong in the promise of God. He was not about to be moved. He had strengthened himself inwardly to believe God over everything else. And so that's why he didn't even consider the fact that he was 100 years old. It didn't even, he wasn't going to focus on that. See, some of you are focusing on the natural and you have got to get headstrong about God's word and begin to declare that and decree that into your life. He was fully convinced that God, what God had promised, he was also able to, confer, to perform. Therefore, it was accounted to him as righteousness. I love that. He did not waver. That word not is an absolute negation. He absolutely did not waver. He gave greater weight to the power of God than he gave to the reality that he had in the natural you see, that's what faith is. It is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but. That word but, it was interesting. I looked it up. Quite to the contrary, it says. <laughs> but quite to the contrary, he was strengthened, strengthened in the faith. That word strengthened means to put power in. He was empowered inwardly. One translation says his faith filled him with power. I want you to see something here before we, we quit for the night. Um, I want you to see that faith doesn't ignore the facts. See, I've heard people even in, in, in my study that have said, oh, don't speak that. Don't agree with that. Don't speak that thing. Don't say you're sick. Don't say you have a bad report. Don't let that come out of your mouth. That's crazy. That's spiritual witchcraft. The reality is Abraham had facts. The facts was he, he was 90, 100 years old. He didn't ignore the facts, but his faith was bigger than the facts. The Bible says that, that, you, it, it, that you can speak to the mountain and it'll be moved. It doesn't say ignore the mountain and pretend it's not there. He didn't ignore the facts. He had faith that was stronger than the facts. Faith doesn't ignore the facts. It speaks to the facts. It overrides the facts with the truth. Um, and then the Bible says that God got glory from that. Glory is that which gives, gives a proper opinion. That which gives a proper opinion. Abraham, by believing God, the manifestation of that promise gave a proper opinion to others about God. One last verse I want you to look at. Flip back to Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. They did not give a proper opinion of him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They did not believe God. Although they knew him, they did not glorify him. And it's because they didn't believe him. And I, I wonder how many of us are here tonight, and, and we know God. 
We know about God. But we don't believe him. And so we, we don't glorify him. We don't give people a proper opinion of him because we're not applying his word to our life. That's what a decree is. It's believing God and speaking that instead of what you're seeing in the natural. I, I want to give you, I know we're, we're short on time, but I want to just play this out. I want to give you an example uh, of making decrees. Uh, and I wonder if there's somebody here that would let us practice on them. I'm going to bring somebody up front who has some struggles. And I want you to say, this is one thing I'm struggling with. And we'll make some decrees over your life. Can we, can we get a volunteer to do that? Don't be bashful. Yes. Whoever, just come. One of you. Tracy, Pam, either one of you. How are you, Pam? Good to see you. So tell us what you're struggling with, how we can, how we can decree and so I'll start, and I'll make some uh, pray for Pam, and I'll make some declarations over her life. And when I stop, if, you, if the Lord is bringing a scripture, now a scripture, we're not going to decree our words. See, that's where some of us are going wrong in our prayers because we have all these fine-sounding words and sweet words, and we want to encourage Pam, and we want to make her feel good. No, we will speak God's word over her. Because our words don't have any power. Our, our words are void of power. God's word is not. And so when we decree God's word, God's word are living and active. The Bible says, Jesus said this, my words are spirit and life. He says the flesh profits nothing. You don't get anything out of fleshly stuff. But my words, their spirit and their life. When I speak God's words over Pam, I'm expecting his word to penetrate her and bring her life. I'm expecting his words, which are spirit, to go inside of her. The, the, the word spirit is a life-giving force. I'm expecting that word to go inside of her and give her life. Do you see how it works? And, then, and we have good intentions when we pray for something. We say, oh, Pam, let me just pray for John. Thank you for John. Thank you that he's a nice boy. Thank you that you, you that does nothing. We're going to decree God's word. That's why it's so important we know God's word. So, so even before I start, is there some words, that, the scriptures that are coming to your mind that you think you'd like to see prayed over Pam? Don't be anxious about anything. Yeah, be strong and courageous. Yep. Fear not, for I'm with you. You betcha, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world, yep. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, yep. Raise up the child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Pam had John in church on Sunday. She's raising him up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and she can stand on the word that when he's old, he will not depart from you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to figure out John on your own. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path with John, yep. Weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Pam looks weary, and we're going to pray that for her. So, Father, we just thank you, and we praise you for Pam. We thank you, Lord God, that you know her, that, that you created her, that you knit her together in her mama's womb. Lord God, you know every intricate detail about her. Lord, you know when she sits and when she rises. You, you know every worry, every care, every concern she has. You're the God who sees. You see her, Lord God. You see her.
And I thank you, Father, that you know, you know the burden that she carries and you are her burden bearer and you invite her to come to, to you when she's weary and heavy laden and you promise to give her rest. We pray rest for Pam now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that, that you would comfort her. Your word says that you comfort those who mourn. Lord, I sense that she's mourning, she's hurting over this and Lord God, I pray your comfort, the comfort of your sweet Holy Spirit to just saturate her mind and her heart now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you tell her not to be anxious about anything. So we speak to the anxiety in her. Lord, we will not declare that she has an anxiety disorder. Lord God, you want to free her from that. You are Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, her provider. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, her healer. And we speak healing over her life in Jesus' name. We speak freedom over her in Jesus' name. You are her bondage breaker. Lord God, I thank you that, that, that no weapon that's been formed against her and her family will prosper. We declare that right now in the name of Jesus, Father, that this weapon that's been formed, it may have been formed, but it will not prosper, that that's her inheritance in you. And Lord God, we just declare over her that this, this weapon now is null and void in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that anxiety has to go from her life in Jesus' name, that she will not be anxious about anything, but through prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving, she's going to present her request to you. We're presenting her request to you now, Lord, and I pray that you'd take them, and Lord God, that you'd exchange them for your peace that passes all understanding. We speak peace to her soul in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I pray you'd flood her right now with peace that passes all understanding, that you'd wash over her, Lord God, with such comfort, with the comfort comfort of your sweet Holy Spirit, Lord God, that you'd fill her soul with joy that's unspeakable, Father God, that the joy of the Lord, we declare, will be her strength, Father. I thank you, Lord, that, that, that you invite her into a place of, 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 of just safety and security in her, that you want to be her refuge, that you want to be her strong tower, Lord, that you say she can run into you and she can be safe. Lord, I thank you that you want to perfect everything that concerns her, Lord, and John concerns her. And Father, we thank you that you knit him together in her womb. That, that he's a gift. Children are an inheritance from you, a heritage from you, Lord God. And blessed is the woman whose quiver is full of them. Lord, she is blessed because of John. We call that young man blessed in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you're luring him, that you're drawing him with loving kindness, Lord God. That you will draw him with loving kindness. Lord, your, your word says it's your will that none perish, but that all have eternal life. And so, Father, we pray according to your will because you say if we ask according to your will, it will be given. Lord, we we ask according to your will for John's salvation in Jesus' name. Lord, I declare him saved in Jesus' name. I pray you draw him, that you'd lure him with loving kindness, Lord God, that you'd open up his eyes, that he would have a clear understanding of his need for you. Lord God, that the shackles would fall off, that the blinders would fall off, the scales would fall off his eyes, and that he would be able to see his need of you in Jesus' name. Father, I sever any tie that he has with the enemy in Jesus' name. And I declare, Lord God, that his eyes will be open. And, and Father, that you will reveal anything, anything that needs to be revealed, that you're going to uncover and reveal it in Jesus' name. In the meantime, Lord, I pray that you keep Pam's heart at peace. That you keep her heart at peace. That you keep her heart at peace. 
that you're going to perfect all that concerns her, that you invite her to stand still and watch the deliverance of the Lord, that you are, you're with her like a mighty warrior, that you are fighting this battle for her, that you've numbered the hairs on John's head, that you love him with an everlasting uh, love, Lord God, that you'll leave the 99 to go after him. Lord, we call the hounds of heaven to pursue him, Lord God, and that you would draw him to yourself, that you would give him such a revelation of his need for you. Lord, we declare he will not perish, but that he will come into eternal life through Jesus Christ. I pray that you grant him a hunger and a desire for the things of God. I pray for dreams and visions, Lord God, uh, that, that you would manifest yourself to him in such a way that he would not be able to deny your power. Thank you, Father, that, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I pray for this burden that, that Pam is carrying, Lord. I pray that you who promised to be her burden bearer would lift this burden off of her, Lord God, and that she would sense such freedom, such liberty, Lord God. You say, cast your cares on me for I care for you, Lord. I pray that she would literally be able to just cast these cares upon you and that she would feel the relief, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for every, I, I pray for her mind, Lord God. I pray for every lie that's been spoken over her, for every lie that she's believed about herself. We silence it now in the name of Jesus. And we speak the truth of who she is in you, that she is mighty in you, that she is more than a conqueror in you, that she is loved by you, that she is fearfully and wonderfully made, Lord God, that you take great delight in her. Father, I pray for John that you'd hem him in behind and before. I thank you that you're his bondage breaker. You said you came to set the captive free to release the prisoner from darkness. Lord God, we pray for John that you would set him free from whatever's holding him captive, Lord God. I sever the tie, and he ties with the enemy in the name of Jesus. And I command the enemy to take his hands off of him in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd be a shield of protection around him. I pray for Pam that you'd be her very present help in times of trouble, that she'd sense your loving presence, Lord God, your loving arms around her, that she would fall back into the everlasting arms. Pray your blessing to be upon her. Pray for the eyes of her heart that she might know the hope to which she's called and her glorious inheritance in the saints. And that she might know how high and how wide and how long is the love of God. And that there's nothing she could ever do to separate herself from that love. Thank you that your eye is on the sparrow so I know you watch over her. You surround her with songs of deliverance. Lord, I know I'm going to misquote this scripture, but many are the concerns of the righteous, but the Lord delivers, are the troubles of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. I thank you that you're going to deliver her from all these concerns, all these troubles, all these worries, that you're her shepherd, and she is not going to be in want. She's in want right now, Lord, and I pray that you would prove to her that you're her shepherd. Lead her beside still water. She needs a break, Lord. She needs times of refreshing. I pray that you'd flood her soul with times of refreshing. We're so grateful for her, Lord. We're so thankful for her. We thank you that you who began a good work will be faithful to complete it in her, in John, and in her husband, Lord God. And surely goodness and mercy will follow her all the days of her life. We declare that surely goodness and mercy upon her. Pam, we love you. We love you. Amen.
No, I didn't know that. <laughs> she said her grandparents' names were Sparrow, and she loved her grandparents so much. Yeah. So do you see how it works? Pam is not walking away with my fine-sounding words. She's walking away, hopefully, with a deposit of the word in her that will carry her through and bring her hope. Just at any point, if just a notebook for her, if you're struggling with anger, if you're struggling, make some, get a notebook and fill it up with scripture, not with fine sounding words, with scripture. You have all kinds of resources at your fingertips now. When I was back in the day, we had to really dig for, for, for scripture. We didn't have a computer that did all the search for us. So now all you have to do is put a search in. So let me give you some websites to go to. Uh, Bible Gateway is one of my favorite do is put in a topic, children, if you're wanting to declare over your children, if you're wanting to declare about depression or anxiety, you can put that word in and it'll pull up all the scripture that has that word in it. Bible Gateway is one of my very favorite um, uh, online tools. Another good one is um, uh, Bible Hub. Uh, There's another one called Blue Letter Bible. We use it in Friday morning study a lot. Anybody else have some other ideas that would be helpful? Study Light is another one. Mm-hmm. And to Google. And it's, it's amazing now, isn't it, how we have these resources at our fingertips. And you can cut and paste. You don't even need to write them out. I had to write them out back in the day. And, and so I still write them. Leslie said to me the other day, why are you writing these? And I said, because when I write them, it gets in my head versus just typing them. And so when I, something with writing, it, it gets deposited in my head. Um, Another thing that I do for whatever it's worth, um, right now I have a decree on my phone. Um, It's on my um, lock screen, and you can see here. I open it to a declaration, and so this is a scripture that I'm trying to memorize. I will make peace your governor, and well-being will be your ruler. So my declaration is, I thank you, Lord. That peace is going to be my governor. A governor, um, I love motorcycles. A governor on the motorcycle is, you know, what, what gives you, um, it controls the, the, uh, the, the power, basically, it, how fast you go. And, and so uh, peace will be my governor. It will be what controls my life. And well-being will be my ruler. Thank you, Lord, that well-being is my ruler. Anxiety is not my ruler. Depression is not my ruler. Despair is not my ruler. Um, stress is not my ruler, well-being will be my ruler. And so that's the scripture I'm memorizing right now, and so I just put it on my phone so that every single time I open it up, I have to see that scripture. It's on my bathroom mirror. It's usually on my steering wheel of my car. That's how I get the word in me. See, we can't be lazy. We want God to just zap us, and yet we have to cooperate. What was the word about deliver? Do you remember that? Deliver where I said it was cooperating with. Anyway. So that's what we're going to continue to talk about for the next couple weeks, decrees. Next week, we'll look at the difference between proclamation, decree, declare, um, confess. We'll look at some of those different, what's the difference in all of those things, and um, it's going to be fun. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters. Thank you that they came out in the cold. I see Jean here who wasn't going to come and showed up, and thank you. I pray you bless her especially because she wasn't going to come. And so, Lord, I, I, I thank you that you see you the God who sees. And I pray for a divine deposit in every person that's here tonight. I pray that you would deposit your word richly in every one of them and that the enemy would not be able to snatch it away when they walk out of here. That it would produce a harvest, Lord God. A harvest. That you bless them. 
and encourage them and strengthen them according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.